Puma Gyanatimirandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chaksunu Militam Dhenatasmai Sri Gurave Namah One day Sri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Shodito Gododai Pushpavanto Chitro Sandotamonuno Sri Gaudivashnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai Harinam Prabhu Ki Jai I offer my respects to my gurus, Sri Bhakti Vedanta Sami Prabhupada, Sri Bhakti Rakshita Devuga Sami Maharaj, Gaudi Saraswat Guru Parampara, Bhakti Vinod Paribar, the family of Bhakti Vinod, and to all of my god brothers, god sisters, especially my god brothers who are serving in capacity of guiding others, and here in particular in the, in the house of Sri Madhvachar Jadas and family. Let me offer my respects to Bhakitita Goswami Maharaj, whom I know, uh, have known for many, many years. And then finally, let me offer my respects to all of the assembled devotees. Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai. We are in the midst of discussing the Lila Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Gaur Lila, and with regard to Ratyatra, and we begin this discussion every year at about this time, with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's arrival in Jagannath Puri. After having left Jagannath Puri and gone south, he went south for two years and then returned to Jagannath Puri. And it doesn't appear that he remained in Puri very long once he arrived there. He came with Nitananda Prabhu and a few others, and he was taken in by Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma, who was the guru of the Raj Pratap, the king of Puri, and who hailed himself from Guradesh, from Bengal. And he was a contemporary of Sri Vishwambar Mishra's elders. Vishwambar Mishra is the family name of our Nasikula Nayaka. Nasikula Nayaka means hero of the sannyasis, who became known as Sri Krishna Chaitanya. His family name is Vishwambar Mishra. He was given the nickname Nimai, and he was very learned in his youth, and therefore he became known as Nimai Pandit. But, as we know, at a certain point, he cast off the pursuits of scholarship, academia, and uh, led an extraordinary life of devotion, the likes of which caused those in his midst who were already involved in the devotional culture to wonder in a kind of a spiritual madness if this devotee was not Krishna himself. And they would get flashes of that every now and then. Of course, the the more perplexing question in one sense was that if he is Krishna, somehow appearing as a devotee, then where is everybody else? Because Krishna is never alone. And metaphysically speaking, of course, he's alone. <laughs> There's only one. There is no other. But that one has a, has a nature. Brahman, the Absolute, has a, a nature. And its nature is, in one sense, a result of Brahman's being what it is, the full and complete entity. In the words being full and complete, not reliant upon any anyone or anything else. He's alone. But because of being full, then a kind of a necessity arising out of fullness appears, and that is a necessity of expressing one's fullness. We move out of necessity, but out of the necessity born of 
ignorance, which causes us to think that we need to add something onto our lives in order to make it complete, in order to be full, in order to be satisfied. And we're perpetually in pursuit of this and never satisfied. That's what we call a movement under the influence of karma. I've seen it, popular uh, bumper sticker, I've mentioned it before. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. It is something like that. Mm -hmm. So we have a necessity, a false necessity, a necessity, I should say, a real necessity, but based on false identification. And so we're busy. We're busy because our sense of self is threatened. We're threatened with non-existence at the moment. In the environment, the plane of our present experience, it's apparent if we look carefully that we're being threatened with non-existence. We're kind of living on death row. And all the whole of the existence is telling us that. It's, it's not just some kind of book knowledge or some dogma, but Ayurharati, it's said in poetry, Ayurharati Vaipumsam Uddhanastan Chanaso. That uh, this is what the sun is saying, Ayurharati. Ujjanastan Chayanasu means the rising and setting of the sun. This is an example of how the environment is speaking to us. If we are attentive, we will listen. It means with the rising and the setting of the sun, Ayurharati. Life is Ayurharati, is being taken away. So life as we know it in terms of our present sense of identity. That is being taken away with the rising and the setting of every sun. You see, everything is in favor of, of us, our cause, our pursuit, our pursuit of enduring happiness. The world is not against us. We are struggling with nature to achieve our ideal, as if nature is getting in the way, but actually it is not the fact. This example is pertinent. Who can miss the rising and the setting of the sun every day? Well, we do, of course, but <laughs> that's just an example of how distanced we've become from the nature of, of reality. If the sun didn't come up one day, of course, then we would, we would take note of that. They'd make headlines, but it would be hard to read the paper. <laughs> so we're very much dependent on that. But we don't recognize its message, so to speak. It means our life is being taken away, life as we know it. That means that our pursuit of enduring happiness will not be found, in one sense, in this plane of experience. So the environment is pushing us, encouraging us, speaking to us along these lines, but we're not listening very well. So this way we are moving out of a perceived necessity born of material identification. If I don't eat, I'll die. So in order to eat, I have to work, I have to be busy, and so forth and so on. So this movement is troublesome, and therefore some philosophers conclude that cessation of movement, that's where it's at. If we can achieve a cessation of movement, that, that will indicate that we are satisfied. We move because we are not complete. If we were happy, why move? But there's another kind of movement, and this is the point, and that is a movement that out of happiness, out of fullness. In fullness, there's a necessity of celebrating fullness. It's like people are sometimes just so happy they just have to dance, and they have to sing, and, and so forth. So this is the movement of Brahman that makes Absolute appear to be two. He's really one, as I'm explaining. Absolute is one, but appears manifold owing to its shakti. Shakti is that by which it expresses its fullness, the expression of its fullness. Expression is religion. That is the abhed, difference, and bed, non-difference. That is our philosophy. Absolute is one. There is no other but for his own sake, for the sake of experiencing, expressing himself, becomes many. So this is what do we call Leela. So Krishna is not alone. He's one, but he's not alone. This is the point. So those who know him, they understand this, that Absolute is one, 
Krishna is one, but appearing as many to experience himself, and that means the expression of his Swarup Shakti. So those devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when they had the flashes, that there's such extraordinary devotion we find in him, such identification with Krishna we find in him, that sometimes we're caused to think, maybe he is Krishna. But then the more perplexing problem is, if he is Krishna, where are all of his associates? Because Krishna is not alone. This is the very fine, fine theistic reasoning of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It means that the devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they know Krishna like no one else. Who else would have thought of such a thing? No one has in the history of religion, in the history of Vedanta, which is all about understanding Brahman, and in which Krishna takes a prominent role in all of the different schools. Even the school of Shankar is very fond of Krishna, or to speak of the other Vaishnav Sampradayas. But in none of them we find this sense. Nobody flatters Krishna like the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. And as I said the other night, if you love something enough, then it will reveal all its secrets. This is a secret. So to love him is to know him. They love him such that they could come up with such reasoning that Krishna, if Krishna himself, Sakshad Prajendanandan Krishna, Swayam Bhagavan, were to appear, he couldn't be alone. The whole phenomenon, if you will, the whole experience of Krishna, Krishna and Krishna's devotees, these you cannot separate. Krishna is the very heart of his devotees. That heart in which the Swarup Shakti of Krishna is manifest is where Krishna is. The appearance of Krishna corresponds with this. This is a very interesting concept. That's why we say where we will look for Krishna in the heart of the Vaishnava. Sometimes we ask, why do you bow down before the deity of Krishna? Because a Vaishnava told us, oh, this is Krishna. So where is Krishna? This is the point. He's in the heart of the Vaishnava. That's where we can find him. So they thought like this, they wondered like this, and of course what happened in due course was they realized, we are the associates of Krishna. <laughs> it is Krishna, and it's us. Nityananda Ram, Godadhar, Radha, and so on and so forth. When Kavi Karnapur and others made a list and identified them and in so many ways. So, Nimai Pandit, of course, left, he took sannyas and went to Jagannath Puri. He arrived in Puri, but the Charja had come there from Nadia. He was a resident of Nadia, as I said, and a contemporary of the elders of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, senior and a sober fellow, very learned, young sannyasis would come to him to learn Vedanta. Vedanta is the, is the, the logic of, of the um, kind of concordance of all the jungle of sounds that we call the uh, scripture. It's, a, it's really quite a tangle of sounds and uh, conceptions. What it all means, is it all saying any one particular thing or is it just... Uh, disconnected sounds. No, uh, the Vedanta Sutra seeks to show the concordance of all the Upanishads and the particular and uh, uh, revealed scripture. What it, how it's all saying that it has a, a point to make, a singular point to make. So at any rate, he would school them in, in, in that to some extent. Later he became schooled in that by the young sannyasi, Sri Krishna Chaitanya. And as a result, he became converted to that um, dancing doctrine of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that made the sober Bhattacharya like a, like a child. And it shocked all of Jagannath Puri that this uh, sober Bhattacharya has become like a, like I said, like very loose in, in a sense, singing and dancing, and so, which was, would be, not be considered something that somebody involved in Vedanta would do. They would be much more sober and not prone to such things, but this was, this was of a different nature, as I'm describing. So this movement was of a different nature. At any rate, in a short time, the young boy from Nadia, who had become a sannyasi at age only 24, came and conquered Jagannath Puri. 
with his doctrine of love by conquering the guru of the king. And then shortly thereafter, he went to South India. Now, we heard yesterday how Raj Prataparudra approached Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma and told him that I heard it's been told all the people are saying that a Mahant, a great person, has come, a sannyasi, and that he stayed in your house for some time, and that he's Bhukripa, he has he's greatly merciful, and he gave that Kripa to you. And Bhattacharya said it's true. What the people are saying is true. And so the king asked, Can you please arrange an audience for me? Can I have his darshan? And Bhattacharya said, Sorry, it's not possible. That's not happening. No. He's Birakti. He's very renounced. And Swarat, independent. And Sakshad Krishna. He said he's Nirjan. He lives solitarily. And he, he doesn't interact with worldly people. He's very detached. And completely independent. And he compared his independence with that of Krishna himself. He said, he, he, actually, he sakshat Krishna. And the Bhattacharya, uh, the Raj was very astounded to hear this. But, and it distressed him to some extent, but it excited him nonetheless to hear about, hear now from Sarvabhoma, who had personally hosted Mahaprabhu, to hear from him about this great person. And what things he said, and he was a learned person. So briefly, we discussed at some length the implications, some of the implications last night of, of what he said by saying, he's virakti, swarat, independent. It means that a sannyasi, a guru, cannot be bought and paid for. You know, it is said that to give the harinam to the faithless, that is an offense to the holy name. This is, a, this is an offense for the guru, because the guru is one who gives the holy name of Krishna. That is his business. Krishna Nam, Krishna Mantra, as may be the case, is giving, given by the guru, and guru who gives must, means must, must have. So there must be a, a quality to that giving, that utterance, for example, of the mantra, in the case of Diksha. What is the background of that? Uh, the, the standing of the giver in the realm of faith where the mantra is manifests in a particular serving disposition and relationship who ha has acquaintance with that. That giving would be different than if you get the mantra from the book or from some person on the street. This is just common sense. Theoretical knowledge is important, but uh, it is also mentioned that Brahmanishtam, some standing in, in the reality of, of what's being given in Brahman, this is required. So that person is independent. A person can't be bought and, and, and paid for. And he, he doesn't, he can and if this, this offense I'm mentioning from uh, given in Padma Purana, I believe, ten offenses, ninth offense, is sometimes explained like is to give the holy name to the faithless. So that means he has not created, uh, made fertile, fertile the field in which to plant this, the, the, the seed of, of the mantram. If he does that, then he causes offense to the name. Then he must get up and make a proclamation. I gave to this person. This is my mistake. He is unqualified. I disown him or her as may be the case. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very qualified, completely independent, not bought and paid for by anyone. This contrast is being given to sannyasi and the king. This goes on for chapters. This is a subplot in the whole story. Sannyasi and the king. And the sannyasi, Mahaprabhu in this case, would not give audience to the king. He didn't think that his preaching was dependent upon getting a movie star or a king to to support him or to who had no money, but he was very effective in spreading Krishna consciousness. Goswamis had no money also.
still they were very capable of spreading Krishna consciousness. So, we talked about this at, at some length, the implications of this, Mahaprabhu's detachment, his independence. Guru must be independent person and 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 controversial person also. It means must speak in such a way to make us think and re-examine and challenge our understanding. If I come and I speak to you, then you may go, hmm, I think that's okay. And you may go think, well, you wonder, but he said that. I've never heard it like that before. And then you may have some doubt about me or any speaker. He said that. I never heard Prabhupada say that. Or he quoted that first. I never heard that, that that was the meaning. Look here. Prabhupada translated it this way. He translated it another way. You see, this is... We now, sometimes, the community tends to think that if the guru, he can say anything that the previous guru has said, or less, then he's bona fide. He can say whatever the previous guru has said, or less than that, then we will consider it. But if he says anything more, then he's unbonafide immediately. <laughs> we shall run away from him. But actually, the latter is the, is the qualification. This is the idea. There should be more. One after another. This is what the meaning of parampara means. One, the literal meaning, one after another. It is the joy of the guru that the disciple who succeeds will, will do more, will give more. That is, more of what? More of infinite, the infinite. <laughs> so, why Vyasadev? And his guru, Narada, came and sat to hear the boy Sukadev speak the Bhagavatam. Narada gave the Bhagavatam to Vyas. Vyas gave it to Sukadev. Why will the two of them, older, retired gentlemen, so much senior to the 16-year-old boy Sukadev, come and sit and hear from him? They were his teachers because they knew the nature of the subject. And they knew, if any qualified person is to speak about this, something new will come. Some insight will come. Something, something will come that make me think about it a little differently, feel it, experience it a little differently. This is the whole business of the preaching and discussion of these things. That we may get, gain new insight. Like Goswamis have given the example of Krishna as a valuable, many-faceted jewel. So if you look from one side, you'll see want something wonderful. Another angle, another angle. So the business is, to, is, is by discussing this to, to, to try to exhaust that, which is, which is impossible. Ikshaternaashabdat. I cannot say enough about, about that. So they were elder, but they knew, oh, he's qualified, and he see, we'll say something. And it will be, and what, what did he say? Brahma gave it to Narada in four verses. Narada gave it to Vyas in about 12 verses. We call it the Narada Bhagavatam. It's, it's inside of Bhagavatam. Vyas gave it to Sukadev, and Sukadev spoke 18,000 verses. Nobody said, well, I never heard that one before. Where did that come from? They did say, I never heard that one before. Keep, keep talking. Say more, say more. This is the idea. So, so Guru must have some 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 qualification. Who gives Krishna must giving capacity means you know, to give what you have, much as you have, so you you can give. And there's some uh, some guidelines with regard to this. Therefore, not to the faithless people. It shouldn't be given. If he does, then he offends the name. So, we discuss these things to some extent. As I say, here we get some inspiration to speak along, along these lines because of Mahaprabhu's position as a renunciate and the standard of... of his lila is called Acharya lila. So this is God acting as, as the guru. Acharya means who teaches by his example. So Mahaprabhu is, is Krishna, but teaching about himself by his example. This was the primary way of... Mahaprabhu was teaching more than through 
any written work by his own personal example. But Acharya also, of course, typically uh, writes as well. In fact, Prabhupada used to say the first business of the Acharya is to write something. So, the Raj, Prataparudra Maharaj, is, is excited. He's in touch with a person who's had the experience of Mahaprabhu, and he wants that, and, but he's disappointed to hear that you can, that's, that's not going to happen. You're not going to get his darshan. You're not going to get his audience because you personify worldliness and he is not uh, involved in that. He said, I, I would have tried nonetheless, given your persistence and interest in the subject, but he's gone. He's already left for South India. And the king was then, uh, his hopes plummeted and, but then he appealed to the Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma, why you didn't stop him? And Bhattacharya said, well, I can't, who can stop? He can do, he does whatever he wants. Can't st- I tried to stop him. I told him that I can tolerate the death of my son, lightning striking my house, but not your separation. This way I appealed to him. In this way the Bhattacharya set example for us how we should be in our life more attached to some person of spiritual consequence than to anyone else in any of our other relationships. The same idea of Krishna Lok. In Golok, every devotee has relationship with other devotees. All the devotees are related. But the center of every devotee's relationship, their relationship means emotional life. So they are all moving on the basis of what we call staibhav. Staibhav means a, a dominant emotion, an emotion that has the power to consume one to such an extent that when augmented and combined with other sentiments, it reaches the height of aesthetic rapture, sacred aesthetic rapture that we call rasa. So, Staibhav means, oh, that liking Krishna as a, as a friend, as a lover, as may be the case. So all the devotees are moving on that basis. Then, what then is their relationship with one another? That we call Sancharibhav, or Vyabicharibhav, same, same thing, but named in both ways means uh, that, that that relationship that one devotee has with another augments this, the dominant emotion of love that they have for Krishna. So, in our practical everyday life as a sadhaka, as a practitioner, we should have primary relationship with someone who represent, of, of consequence representing Krishna. And secondarily, uh, relationships with one another. This will make all those relationships happy and harmonious in our life, spiritually progressive. So, Raj Prataparudra was uh, disappointed that uh, he couldn't get the darshan of, of, of Mahaprabhu. He was amazed at the when he said, I, why didn't you get him to stay? Why didn't you ask him to stay? At the response of the Bhattacharya, oh, I asked him. Don't think I didn't ask. But what can be done? He's independent. But nonetheless, um, now we're coming today to the discussion. He uh, will inform the Raj that he is returning shortly. So this is good news. This chapter began with Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami giving a beautiful um, metaphor in which he explained that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is like, like water, like rain, and the devotees in his absence and separation are like grains that are just drying up. I'm, he said, my pranam to him. So this chapter is about that. They are burning in separation in his absence, and now they're going to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu again. And the principal person who will organize all of this, this is Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma, very important person. So he asked the king, that you please um, arrange some place for him? The king said, I have just a place. That is the house of Kashi Mishra. It's in a separate, secluded place. It's very quiet. 
He's a very nice uh, devotee. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu can stay there and I can arrange one assistant for him and so forth. So Mahaprabhu returns. And through the Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma, he's, he's given the place at Kasi Mishas, and through Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, all the different, different devotees, darshan is arranged gradually. And the burning of the pangs of their separation are mitigated. Mahaprabhu is again in Jagannath Puri. Here he will worship Lord Jagannath. Ratiyatra festival will begin. All the devotees from Bengal will come. This is where we are. Now, after Kaviraj Goswami briefly introduces us again in this context, he's already introduced all the principal players in the Leela earlier on in Adi Leela before he began the narration of the Leela. First he gives the philosophical underpinning for the drama, the stage on which it's performed, and then he introduces all the players, and then he begins the narrative of the drama of Gaur Leela. So here we are again introduced to some of those players here in Puri in terms of their again getting Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's darshan. So a number of persons are named. Amongst them is Bhavananda Rai. We hesitate, pause, I'm not going to read all of them, but pause for a moment with Bhavananda Rai. And his four sons, fifth son was Rai Ramananda. In one sense, Mahaprabhu was returning to Puri to be with Roy Ramananda, whom he had met in Vidyanagar, uh, further south, and at the advice of Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma. When Sarvabhoma was converted, at that time he understood Ramananda Roy. He was acquainted with Ramananda Roy. Here we could see his father and brothers were all living in Puri, and they were working in the, in the government. They were Kayastas. The eldest son, the first son, was Rai Ramananda, and he had been dispatched to South India. He had a responsible position there within the extended kingdom of the Raj Prataparudra. So, about this one son of Bhavananda Roy, Bhattacharya was always a little confused. Being the sober Vedantist that he was, he, could not, he, he was involved in what we call Brahmajignasu, inquiry into the nature of Brahman. This follows Dharma Jignashu, inquiry into the nature of Dharma. First we require inquire about the nature of religion, which means how to bring all of our human activities in touch with God in some way, how to color them all with the shades of, of, of godliness. And when we qualify ourselves in that regard, then inquiry proceeds from understanding how to bring our human life in touch with God to understanding the difference between ourselves and, and the human dress altogether. So, from religious life to experiential, spiritual life. And beyond that, beyond Brahma Jignashu, we have the inquiry of the Goswamis, Rasa Jignashu. Their commentary on Vedanta Sutra was Srimad Bhagavatam. And what is Srimad Bhagavatam? Nigama Kalpataro Galitam Palam Shukamukadamrata Drabasam Vitam Pibata Bhagavatam Rasam Malayam Muhuraho Rasikabhuvi Bhavaka. Vedanta Sutra is very terse, difficult reading. As I said before, it's the logic of the scriptures and how they all, showing the concordance of the all these sounds. And comparatively, Srimad Bhagavatam is, is a book of poetry. Very different. To sit for the extended talk on uh, theoretical physics is one thing, <laughs> but to hear a love story, that is another. So Srimad Bhagavatam is the love story, the love life of Brahman. You see, this is Rasa Jignashu. Brahma Jignashu is in that, Dharma Jignashu is also inside of that. If we meet somebody who has deeply inquired into that, then by that connection, by that association, we may pass through Dharma Jignashu, we may pass through Brahma Jignashu, and become qualified ourselves by that connection to inquire into the nature of the love life of the Absolute. And in the context of doing that, if we do it appropriately, 
we should find that in our person, religion comes, Brahma Gyan comes, and then actually uh, entering the drama of Krishna Lila proper, not just theoretically, but actually. It's not that we will cross over these two, Dhamma Jignasu, Brahma Jignasu, inquire about rasa, and in us we will find no religiosity, no moral basis, no ethical basis in our life, no Brahma Gyan, and, that, and, we, and we will deceive ourselves and others to think that, that our inquiry into rasa is actually substantial. No, it will be substantial if all these things come within us, and then more. Yes, it is beyond Brahma Jignasha, it is beyond religion also, but that doesn't mean that devotees are irreligious or they don't have any, any tattva, any knowledge of, 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 of tattva. Knowledge of tattva sambandhagyan, that means self-realization. When that is fully in place, that means self-realization. That's why diksha, we talked about this to some extent last night, diksha means, when it's complete, it means self-realization. So we've all been initiated, but is your initiation complete? Mahaprabhu told Sanatana Goswami in Puri that uh, Dikshakale, he said, Dikshakale, Bhaktatare Atmasamarpan. At the time, Dikshakale of initiation, one fully surrenders Atmasamarpan to Krishna. So we talked a little bit, Guru has to have some qualification, disciple has to have some qualification also. When he fully surrenders in the context of initiation, and this is not easy to do. I mean, it may happen, and we find in the associates of Mahaprabhu, they're given initiation, and immediately they become Krishna conscious. <laughs> it would take us a little while longer, maybe a few lifetimes. At the time of initiation, when one fully surrenders, he says, then at that time, the devotee becomes Atmasam. Mahaprabhu speaking. Krishna makes him one with himself. In what sense do we become one with Krishna in Vaishnavism? I mean, we, we, we understand our qualitative oneness, so to speak. So it means so, so we, we are able to distinguish ourselves, not theoretically, but actually from matter. Then Mahaprabhu went on to say, Se deha karatare, se deha karatare, he said, in that body of the surrendered devotee who's, who's in, in, really partaking wholly of the process of initiation, Chidanandamai. Say Deha Chidanandamai. His body becomes spiritual. And then he said, Aprakrita Dehe Tanra Charana Bhajai. In a completely, it means his Sadaka Dehe becomes spiritualized, and in the Aprakrita Dehe, a fully spiritual body, he does bhajan to Krishna. This takes us from bhajana kriya in the devotional ladder to asakti, the last stage of sadhana before bhava bhakti. Initiation is complete. You understood the difference between yourself and matter and you glimpsed the nature of your relationship with Krishna and it's time to cultivate that and pursue that, enter into, uh, from there in, into bhava bhakti, which is the, which is the, the process, if you will, of turning bhava into prem, turning the ray of the sun of love of God into the full noon. So as there's something to do on the part of the guru, there's something on our part also that must be in place. I said last night also that this business of giving Krishna consciousness is act of love. There cannot be any motivation there, only out of compassion. Sukadev spoke Bhagavatam, such a substantial way he gave Krishna. So, if if Guru is giving out of love, then we have to reciprocate in kind. Give means love means sacrifice means giving. So this should be our relationship, love relationship. This is a message of of, and and what better language then to speak about all this than than the poetic language of Srimad Bhagavatam. Goswamis have gone gone to that. They said for th- that they would they will uh, speak about the nature of Brahman in the full sense of the term, taking from Taitreya Upanishad that statement, Rasa Saha. 
and explaining it from Srimad Bhagavatam, which they consider to be the natural commentary on Vedanta Sutra. In the language of poetry and love, this is the love life of God, the heart of God. So Ramananda Roy was absorbed in this kind of thing, poetry. And Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma, he was like a theoretical uh, physicist, uh, analyzing the nature of being and, and uh, the metaphysics of, of, of Vedanta. Very dry, very dry. Mahaprabhu said that, what is that sloke? Mahaprabhu said, Shrotram api upanishadam dure harikatamrita. Shrotam api upanishadam dure harikatamrita. He said, this is found in Bhakti Sandarbha. Jiva Goswami said, this came from the mouth of Mahaprabhu. It's not recorded anywhere else, but he has given this. Mahaprabhu said that those sounds of the Upanishads, like Tattvamasi, Aham Brahmasmi, Soham. Of course, we have a nice way of explaining those. And if we explain those, then we find, oh, they're full of juice. They're very juicy. They're not dry. That's because who has, who is tasting the, the purport of all of that through Srimad Bhagavatam will naturally think of it in such statements in that light. Otherwise, Mahaprabhu is saying, Dure, they are very far away from Harikatha. What you can arrive at by discussion of Harikatha, which is Srimad Bhagavatam, that is far away from what you can get by uttering these sounds, these Mahavakyas of the Upanishads. Ahambramasmi, Tattvamasi, Soham. He said, Kampashru Pulakadayo. This, this whole life of Krishna Leela, it is all, what it is, in one sense, is all ecstasy. This is, it is all ecstasy. If you study the, uh, carefully, Bhagavatam, you'll understand that all of the movements of all of the players in Krishna Leela, all of the movements, the dress, everything, it's all uh, emotional, uh, living emotional reality relative to one's particular dominant sentiment, then there will be certain movements. Cowherds will dress in a particular way, tighten their belt, slap their thighs. These are all anubhavs relative to their staibhav. You understand? They have a friendly relationship with Krishna, so they're going to move and dress and keep themselves in a particular way. All those movements and dress, these are all the anubhavs of that particular staibhav. Another staibhav will have other anubhavs, another sanchari-bhav, and certain sattvika-bhavs will manifest in relative to one staibhav and perhaps not to another. And so this is all the language emotional language, poetic language, all this language was taken from Kavya Prakash and the Nanta Shastra of Bharat by Rupa Goswami. To, he took the worldly language of love to explain the spiritual world of love that is uh, given to us in Srimad Bhagavatam. So, this is, uh, this is what Roy Ramananda was absorbed in and Bhattacharya Sarvabhom and all this dry like uh, Vedanta and uh, logic Nyaya Shastra. And he could not understand Ramananda Roy. Singing, a poet, really a mad person. Mahaprabhu met him in South India and there was a, 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 an immediate attraction between the two. Mahaprabhu, foregoing uh, social custom, which was not standard for him because he very much, as a sannyasi, sought to observe the social standards. He took sannyas for the purpose of spreading his, his, his experience, distributing his experience. That was a tact that he took in a general sense. And for, for one of the purposes for which he descended, just to, to give people spiritual life. So for that he took sannyas. But as you know, he had other purposes as well in his descent. And so sometimes when they took over him, then he would forego the social norm. So this is an instance because he was a Brahmin and a sannyasi and there he approached this Ramananda Roy and embraced him and the people all thought, what is this? This Brahmin sannyasi is embracing this sudra and then um, they cried and cried and they sat for long talks. 
this Ramananda Samvad of Chaitanya Charitamrita. This is the, the uh, in one sense, this is the, the apex of the book. It leads up to this, and after that is the aftermath. Theologically speaking, uh, the whole thing is found there. That's why, for example. So Ramananda Samvad is the Bhagavad Gita of Chaitanya Lila. And Rai Ramananda is sometimes considered to be the, the, uh, Arjuna's appearance in Gaur Lila. Here in this chapter, Mahaprabhu tells the father of uh, Bhavananda Roy, the father of Ramananda Roy, when he meets him in Puri, that, oh, I accept all of you and you and your five sons like Maharaj Pandu and, and the Pandavas. Such is our, the nature of our relationship. And Rai Ramananda was, is compared to Arjuna. Sometimes the devotees are a little confused about this because sometimes Rai Ramananda also, and predominantly, is also considered to be uh, an incarnation of Vishaka Gopi. And we hear this thing throughout that different spiritual, different devotees have different forms, and so we wonder about that. But actually, it's mentioned in the Upanishads. Ekadya Bhavita Dvitiya Bhavita Tritiya Bhavita. The deliberated soul can have one, two, three forms. Usually we're hearing about two here. <laughs> so there are all kinds of possibilities. At any rate, how is, how is it that Bhagavad Gita is found in... in uh, it's, it's interesting because for the most part, Bhagavad Gita is not, uh, not a very prominent literature amongst uh, the Gaudiyas. Um, Bhagavatam is prominent. And all the shastras are written by the Goswamis and so forth. Vishwanath, Prabhu, Vishwanath Chakravarti, he of course wrote a commentary on Bhagavad Gita. Vishwanath wrote, uh, excuse me, his disciple Baladev wrote. But um, it's, it's, it's not a main, uh, in one sense, text of, of, of the Gaudiyas dealing with Prajendananda and Krishna as they do rather than Kurukshetra Krishna and, um, and so on. But still it's present in Gaur-lila. And it's present, we say, in this Ramananda Samvad, inasmuch as the Ramananda Samvad is a gradual uh, discussion of different religious um, possibilities, ideals. So Bhagavad Gita gives us also a gradation of different ideal. We go from, uh, from Dharma, very quickly from Dharma we go to, to Yoga. It means from religion to spiritual, actual spiritual practice. And we begin with Nishkam Karma Yoga, then, then Gyan Yoga, then Karma Sanyas Yoga, Dhyan Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, this way. So through the conversation with Ramananda Roy, Mahaprabhu is taking us through all different uh, planes. We also begin, also begins with Dharma. And it ends with what Mahaprabhu is ultimately about. So, Bhagavad Gita ends in the same way when Krishna says, what? Sarva dharman puritya mamekam sharanam braja. The Bhagavad Gita ends in one sense. That's one of the endings. Krishna stops speaking. He stops speaking because, oh, he's been talking about Dharma throughout the text, and at this point he's coming to the end, and he says, Sarva dharman, so puritya Anyway, forget all this talk about religion. Sarva dharman puritya Mami come, Sharanam. Do Sharanam to me, Sharanagati to me, Sharanagati to me, and and you will come to me. And when he says, Sarvadaman Pratija Mami come, Sharanam Braja, this word Braja means to go or come to me, his mind goes to Braj. The word means something else, but words have a number of meanings, and the main meaning of a word is that which first comes to mind when you speak it. <laughs> So Krishna says, Braj, he's standing at Kurukshetra, his mind goes to the Braj, he can't talk philosophy anymore. In the Braj, Krishna is not a philosopher. In the Braj, Krishna is not a guru. He says, Radharani is my guru. Mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the pen of Krishna, that's Kaviraj Goswami. Krishna says, uh, Oh, I'm Ami Purnananda, I am the full bliss, Purnatattva, but Radhikad Prem Unmatha. The prem of Radha makes me mad, drives me mad. 
She is my, my guru teaching me to dance. This is Rathayatra. Rathayatra Jagannath is the god of the universe. It means god of the universe. Jagannath. He's up on a big throne and so forth. And the chariots with those ropes. Those ropes are the devotees of Braj dragging him down off the throne. Come down. So he comes out of his palace. He becomes accessible to everyone. It's a wonderful thing. He becomes, anyone can see, have darshan, anyone can make an offering. This is Krishna. Krishna means not a leela. He's becoming accessible to human society. If you know about Krishna, really, the truth about Krishna, and this is the Achilles heel of the absolute, so to speak. You poke there, everything finished, you've got him. If you know he's conquered by the love of Radha, you can make such statement, then finished. This, is, this was Prabhupada's negotiation with Krishna, you know, how he made his movement successful. On the boat, sailing across, he wrote a poem. In the pro- poem, he negotiated with Krishna. In that poem, he said, Oh, my dear friend, my dear Bhai Krishna, buddy, he said. The fact is, and it's irrevocable. Dhruva Atitomatai, he said, like the pole star, Dhruva is fixed in one place. The fact of the matter is, you, you will get piety. This is Braj talk, you see. They're concerned, naturally, uh, to be religious. That's appropriate. They're not very concerned with being spiritual in, the, in Braj. No, they want to be religious. They go to church on Sunday. Their preoccupation is with Krishna. But they do go to church on Sunday. They worship Narayan and uh, they're Vaishnavs. <laughs> it's a funny, funny religion that we have, a funny ideal. Because we, we are, of course, taught that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. But the, the teaching, if you study it carefully, it teaches us that so that we can come to the point of forgetting that and identifying more intimately with, uh, with, the, with the Absolute. So in Braj, they're, they're uh, like a, a re- religious, apparently, but it is super, super religious, not ordinary. What is the point? Yes, in our Leela, Krishna becomes accessible to human society. And knowing how he's conquered by the love of Radha, if you can speak about that, Oh, then you'll get his attention. So Prabhupada, this is the point, he got Krishna's attention. He said on the boat, he said, my dear friend, the fact of the matter is that if Radharani is pleased with you, then you'll become religious. You'll get piety. Punya will come to you. And all the Braj people, as I say, are interested in becoming religious. This is how he addressed him. My dear, my dear Krishna, my dear friend Krishna, if Radharani is pleased with you, then it's sure that uh, that'll be good for you. You'll get piety. This immediately get the attention of Krishna. You're saying that? You know that. What do you want? Hmm? So then he began his negotiation. He said, my guru, who is a representative of Radharani, hmm? <laughs> by the way, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he has asked me to go to the West and preach to the people, and I need some power to do that. Now, if you give me that power, <laughs> she will be her representative will be pleased with you. That will be good for you. <laughs> you will become pious. Hmm? So what did Krishna do? He gave him so much power. We are all the fruits of that. <laughs> In many respects, all the power. Say, take as much as you want. Take it, take it. <laughs> hmm? This is the whole secret of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And Prabhupada writing it in a in a poem, an intimate moment. And then he said further, of course, and if I'm able to do that by your power, and please my guru in this way, then I'll be able to join you again. What did he say? Tomara milani bhai. Oh, when, oh, when will that? I have that chance again. 
to meet with you amongst the cow pastures, roaming and frolicking in the morning through the Kotavani, through all the different bonds, forests of Vrindavan. This is my aspiration. Very, he gave a very intimate uh, glimpse, intimate moment of his divine grace. Interesting how such an inward moment, you see, caused such outward movement, how the two are combined. This is Gorlila. It is the most inward moment of the absolute Gorlila. It has its origins in the most inward, introspective, uh, soul-searching moments of the absolute. Krishna's Rasaraj, the connoisseur of love. And then he is performing his Leela ah, to, 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 just to be that. And he reaches a point in the Leela where there's some block. He sees, after leaving the Rasa dance, to increase the gopi's love, he sees the measure of their love increases to the extent that he is bewildered by that. He's never seen such love. And so he thinks, I, I have to bow to this. I, I'm purchased by this. But I, I, how, can I, how can I taste it? This is the limits, you see, of Krishna Leela. Krishna Leela has some limitation. This is it. Therefore, Gaur Leela. You understand? This is the most introspective moment, soul-searching moment of the absolute, most inward moment. Bring this outward wave of magnanimity going everywhere, touching everywhere. The Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is about. So Ramananda Rai, he was absorbed <laughs> in all of these things. Mahabhu used him to bring out some explanation of the gradation of spiritual uh, possibilities culminating in the experience of what, that, what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, him, himself is. So appropriately, sometimes he's identified as Arjun. Arjun heard the whole Bhagavad Gita and Krishna wanted to know if he really understood. So in, in, in Gaur Leela, Gaur Krishna is asking him. Krishna becomes the student. Arjun becomes the teacher. And Arjun understood from the verses of Ramananda Roy, we can understand. Oh, he understood very well. What was the underlying kind of implication of the Bhagavad Gita? It's a book about Dharma. Yes. Yes, yes, Kurukshetra Krishna is, is, is speaking that. But even in Dwarka, he's not forgetful of the Braj. At night in his dreams, he's calling out Radha, Subal, Sridham. Vishaka, Lalita, and Rukmini is wondering, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Why he doesn't call out my name in his dreams? What is the nature of that Braj Leela? Well, this was Ramananda Roy's preoccupation. So high, so high into this, as I say, Raj, Rasa Jignashu, that Bhattacharya could, just couldn't understand it. He couldn't get it. He thought, this guy is weird. Actually, he, he's not a, not a sober person. But after he had been converted by Mahaprabhu, consumed by Mahaprabhu, the experience of Mahaprabhu, the presence of Mahaprabhu, then he could understand, wait a minute, that Ramananda Roy, he put the two things together. So he told Mahaprabhu, on your way south, do one thing for me. You're going, you're independent, nothing I can do about it. Do one thing for me. There's somebody there, I think, that needs you. That's, that's like you. There's some, that. that meet this Ramananda Roy. So, of course, Mahaprabhu did. Now he's come back, he meets Ramananda Roy, and he tells, oh, your, you and your sons are like the five Pandavas. Ramananda Roy will, will come up now in the next chapter more with regard to the, to the plight of Prataparudra Maharaj, which we're all, which we're in the midst of discussing, his necessity and the, and the impediments to that. There's an impediment to the, to, to, Pratapurudha Maharaj having the audience of Mahaprabhu. And it's the very thing that Mahaprabhu has adopted in order to spread his message. What is that? Sannyas. Sannyas has some etiquette to it, some rules to it. And as much as it facilitated Mahaprabhu, in some instances, it inhibited that. So what was the solution? Enter Nityananda Prabhu. Hmm? So let me read a few things. Much time left? Uh, six 
Oh, well, not enough time. But Pratacharya Shabloke Piddai Kuroila Tobi Prabhu Kala Krishna Dase Bolaila. Pratacharya then, he was giving audience and uh, arranging the audience. He asked everyone, please leave now, time to go. And Mahaprabhu called for Kala Krishna Das. Mahaprabhu had, when he went south, he went, wanted to go alone. So many others volunteered. Nityananda Prabhu said, let me go. I know all the pathways of South India. I can guide you. He had been there before as Balaram during Kurukshetra War. He knew everything. Places of pilgrimage. Mahaprabhu said, no, if I go, I take you or I take another. People will think I'm playing favoritism. I have to show some uh, equanim- equanimity and uh, lack of bias. This is was his sannyas dharma. Nityananda Prabhu also knew where to go because he had already gone as Vishwarup. Vishwarup, the elder brother of Mahaprabhu, was his expansion. He was already in the South India. That is the excuse, actually, that Mahaprabhu was able to give in order to successfully get released from the love, loving grasp of his devotees. He gave a family issue, he said. Well, my brother's there, I've got to go. Said, oh, your brother, then you have to go. Yes, you have to go. This is, a, again, <laughs> we teach about detachment and all these things, but our ideal is, is, is full of family attachment. All, all the inhabitants of Vrindavan, they're attached to their homes, their cows, the one another. When they asked Krishna, oh, when they found he was, to be, he was a bit extraordinary in that, uh, in that he had saved Nanda Maharaj from the clutches of Baruna, when he came above the surface, they said, can you tell us what our next life will be? Yes, he said, I show you. But he showed them, Golok. They were happy. Oh, everything the same. <laughs> Nanda Maharaj, our king will be there, Dashodamai, all our cows and everything, Jamuna Gova, everything. All right, we'll go. Without that, we're not sure if we want to go. We, have, we like everything here. So it's very difficult to understand this religious ideal. So anyway, Nityananda Prabhu said, here, take this Kalakrishna Das. He's a simple fellow and uh, he'll carry your, your water pot and so forth, and things. When you fall in ecstasy, he'll hold your beads. And so, but as you may know, there was some problem in South India. Kala Krishnadas became, got distracted. Even though he was the personal attendant of Mahaprabhu, he got distracted by some, some gypsies. And from the point of view of Mahaprabhu's maintaining the sannyas, then he had to be strict in his dealing with Kala Krishnadas. Now he's called for him. They return together, he's called for him. Now we'll be frightened. He said, Prabhu Kahe, Pata Charja Sunaha, Inhara Charita, Dokhin Giachila, Inha Amar Sohita. He said, Just consider this man's character. Yes, he went with me with to South India. Pata Charja Koche Gila, Amare Chodia, Potahori Hoite Inhare, Anilun Udharia. Still, he, he was supposed to be attending to me, he left my company and uh, got under the influence of the Bataharis. I rescued him anyway. I brought him here. Now I have brought him here and I'm asking him to leave. Now he can go wherever he likes. I'm no longer responsible for him. Ooh, very strict. Like a thunderbolt, he is very strict for a purpose. But we also hear that Mahabharata was very magnanimous, very merciful. And Tony, you were asking about, how can he be so strict? Where is the love? Send him away? I'm finished. I take no more responsibility for him. And here, what is the context? Mahabharata was meeting with all of the devotees. Everyone is so happy to again be in association. And this one who was with him is being banished from his association. Oh, the devotees, how, how they know what that means. They're, they're just uh, mortified by this. But there's no, there's no question of questioning or challenging Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He just leave. Upholder of, the, of Dharma as a sannyasi. So what, do, what, what, how will we understand this? It seems a bit, me, bit cold. The Mahavadanaya Bhutar, the most magnanimous kind. He couldn't just forgive him and keep him in his company. Sometimes the acharya has to set a particular standard, otherwise people will wonder, is he biased? He just attached to that guy, even though he has bad character? 
Yes, apichet sudara charo bhajate mamananya bhak sadhureva samantavya samyad vyavasito hisa. Krishna says, I'm attached to my devotees even if they appear to have bad character. And I will not let them go. And if you criticize them, then I'll have nothing to do with you. This is the nature of love. That's a fact. This is Krishna. But but in Mahaprabhu's Leela, for the sake of the preaching and so forth, he has some limitations based on the sannyas, the very thing that he took to facilitate the spreading of his mercy. But there's a there's a an extra measure here that we call Nityananda Prabhu, the other self of Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu liked the sun and Nityananda Prabhu liked the moon, the reflected light. So the sun can be a little intense. But the moon is very soothing. The light of the sun when coming through the moon is very soothing. Nitai Chand. What is the song? <laughs> Nitai Chand. Koti, Koti Chandra Shushital. Like millions of moons, soothing rays, Nityananda Prabhu. Very affectionate. The other self of Mahaprabhu. Eta Shuni Krishna Das Kondite Logila. Madhyana Kolite Mahaprabhu Chaligela. Hearing the Lord reject him, Kala Krishna began to cry. However, Mahaprabhu said, uh, not caring for him, immediately left the room to take his lunch. Nityananda Jagarananda Mukundu Damodar Charijani Dukti Tabe Korila Antar. After this, all the other devotees headed by Nityananda Prabhu began to consider a certain plan. So, Nityananda Prabhu devised a plan. He gave him service. So, while Mahaprabhu was restricted by the sannyas, through Nityananda Prabhu's other self, he showed mercy to him. And what mercy? Here he has just been embarrassed and dis- disowned Nityananda Prabhu is, is, is bringing him back into the family in such a big way because he says, Mahabhu has come. Now all the devotees in Puri are having his association, but word must be sent to Bengal, to Navadweep, to tell everyone there that he's here. This is a short distance. They can all come to have his association. Let us send Kalakrishna Das. Imagine how he was received, Kalakrishna Das, in the association of devotees in Navadweep when he went. Oh, Prabhu! You were bringing the news of Mahaprabhu. So wonderful. They wanted to worship his feet practically. He went to every house and told, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has returned to Puri. Come. I'm bringing the news. He's back. You can all come. And they gathered themselves up and they went. It's such, such um, kripa of Nityananda Prabhu. Hmm? Therefore it is said that Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu, they come together to give this. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of a one-two punch. Mahaprabhu gave who, to whoever asked for it, and Nityananda Prabhu gave to whoever who, whoever refused it. Hmm? <laughs> so this is worth some uh, more discussion. Uh, I'll stop here for now and ask if you have any questions. Tomorrow we'll discuss further the position of Nitai Chand. Sri Gaur Nitanandaki Jai. Yeah.